0: Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Hi everyone and welcome to Turn the Page. I'm your host today, Jen, and I am here with the creator of a Let's say like a project that uh, took the world by storm, let's say, last year and is now manifesting as a physical book. (laughs) Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please?
1: Yeah, uh, thanks so much, Jen. My name is Matt Kirkland, and I'm the the dude behind Dracula Daily, which is an email newsletter that sends you bite-sized pieces of the book Dracula in real time through about a six-month span uh, via email. And uh, we have put that together in a book that's coming out in just a couple of weeks. Yep.
0: It is so much fun. Um, I subscribed very early on in the process, and it was just like, it was really a delight to get a little piece of the novel in my inbox every day. And I thought it was, you know, a, a, like a a really interesting way to encounter like a novel I've read so many times, So, and it really made it new for me. Um, but before we get into it too much, could you talk about... Um, like how it came to be, where did you, um, how, like how did the idea come about and like, what was the sort of the implementation of that? Like,
1: okay. So the idea, um, came to me as I was reading Dracula with my daughter, um, she, I was reading the book over the summer and she always wants to be up to date on what I'm reading. So she will interrupt me and say, Hey, what's happening in the book you're reading? Cause she loves stories. And so that summer she was asking me, Hey, what's happening in Dracula? Um, And as we talked about it, we realized we were almost in sync with how the characters were experiencing things. Everything happens in the book from May through November. And we were right in the middle of it in the summer. And I thought, gosh, it'd be fun if um, I could sync up in real time with the characters. But actually doing that would be a big hassle because the book, um, it's not told strictly chronological. It's, It's pretty close, but it's not strict um and it jumps between character viewpoints it would involve a lot of bookmarks and management to really figure out how to read the right sections at the right time and I thought man what would be nice is if someone would just email me the right parts of Dracula to read today and then once we had the idea we I just had to do it that was it
0: nice yeah it really is like um such a fun way to experience the novel like not all in one sitting but to sort of let it uh sit with you and really think about it it like creates a lot more tension I think like when you experience that way Mm
1: -hmm, um mm -hmm.
0: it really like um for me uh brought the historical period alive because uh you were like waiting on correspondence you know the way that like a person in the 19th century might and so I'm wondering like were you surprised by uh the reception or like what the audience sort of brought to it?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, There's, there's, I was totally surprised. And I think the, um, you know, one of those, one of the avenues of that surprise, exactly what we are talking about is how people engage with the real timeness of it. Um, So right away, the book starts with Jonathan visiting Castle Dracula. He's in some peril. We're getting updates from him. And then we cut to Mina who uh, is somewhere else and people uh, immediately say, started saying, Hey, where's my friend, Jonathan? Like I didn't hear from him today. Like started to have this kind of sense of anxiety about not knowing what was happening. And then you get kind of longer and shorter breaks in the story. Or like you said, you get, you know, someone writes a letter but the other person doesn't get it for a couple of days or something. Um, And so engaging with the story in real time made let people kind of pretend like it was more real uh, in a just a real delightful way
0: yeah it acquires like a kind of documentary feel to it like a like hmm. the book equivalent of like a found footage movie in a strange way mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, exactly. it's a very immersive experience and one of the best parts about the book is uh, all of the extra material that accompanies Bram Stoker's text because you also have like a really cool selection of uh, like user reactions and reader reactions and art and memes and jokes. and there's just so much cool stuff there. Like how did that part of the project um come about, and what was the selection process like for what to include?
1: Yeah, sure. so the the whole idea about printing this book, um I came to it pretty slowly. Um, you know, as people, As as the email list blew up, we had hundreds of thousands of people subscribing. There was this big kind of like fandom that emerged on social media. Tumblr was kind of where the biggest stuff was. Uh, And I was just following it like I was a fan of the fandom. Um, So I had just like a gigantic screenshot folder of like beautiful art people had drawn or funny stuff that people had written. Um, And as I was talking through this with other people, Um, The idea that, like, man, it would be so great to, like, collate this together and then print Dracula Daily in its rearranged form so you could kind of have the same experience from the emails, but just with a bookmark. Um, Just, you know, one ribbon bookmark, you move day by day and you can read things in real time. And then you could get a little taste of this phenomenon that happened with all the reader responses without having to, like, be very online all the time, which, I know, a lot of people aren't. (laughs) Um, So once we have that idea, then it also like the email list in the first place, it felt like, oh, that would be so great. We should, I I have to do it. Um, The actual like gathering process, uh, it was really like my family went on vacation without me and I clocked out of my job at 5 p.m. and I clocked into Dracula duty at 5.01 and I scoured the internet and I asked people for permission for things for, you know, until midnight. And I repeated that until my family came back to town. Um, So it was just a lot of, Careful spreadsheet work and scouring uh, social media sites, and then getting in touch with people to ask about, you know, if they'd want to be included, how they want to be credited, if we could use some artwork, and how we could pay people for that artwork—all that kind of stuff. Um, it was very fun because I, the content is so engaging that it was a riot for me to do. But just a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of grunt work on the computer, basically.
0: I bet. Yeah. And it really is like a fascinating document of like the sort of like phenomenon that was the newsletter. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder like if you, do you think it is attributable, I mean, apart from being like an awesome idea, like to the timing as well, you know, because like what occurred to me is that it really makes like a community out of reading, which like can be a sort of solitary event, you know, and I think that maybe we were all really thirsty for that, like in this sort of post 2020, uh, pandemic world. Do you think that like it it was sort of like a right thing at the right time thing kind of too?
1: Um, yeah, I I feel very mystified about sort of what made it work and why. I think it just, it hit the right people at the right time. Um, there, I think definitely the, you know, the world was ready for something to do together and kind of primed for some shared experiences. And I think the, um, you know, we've also sort of lost a little bit of you know, the sort of water cooler media conversations we can have in a streaming world where we get a whole season dropped at once and no one knows if they can talk about it with their friends because you, you're only on episode three, but I'm up to episode six or something. So doling things out in these small bits at a time and in real time gave people that, um, you know, that that way to be in sync, whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> those are my only guesses, yeah.
0: It was kind of like being in a book club, you know, with the world mm-hmm. at large. and it was I think also because it was sort of like a collective act of joy too you know because like some Mm -hmm. of the art is so beautiful and the jokes are so funny and seeing um you know seeing Dracula get the meme treatment was just like such a delight you know and I think that like so many of our collective online experiences are miserable these days that it was probably (laughs) like we really needed a good happy one (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and what one thing that I never could have predicted but was amazing to me, is amazing to me, is how that, like that positive social experience came really. um, it came out of the text, but it came out of the actual text itself. So like Dracula is like a character that we know. We know about vampires. even if you never read any of this stuff, like you know what the deal is. Um, but the community that sprung up around this did not find Dracula himself very handsome or charming. He was not the sexy vampire character. But instead, everyone thought Dracula was kind of a monster Um, and everyone rallied around the other human characters who are terrorized uh, by Dracula and who band together in these like sort of bonds of like friendship and affection for each other to protect each other and then go fight Dracula. Uh, And I loved that. uh, Just that response. It was so it's so sweet to me that like, no, we're. We all think dracula is kind of a scumbag actually
0: <laughs> yeah like it was interesting to see the like the layers of kind of like pop culture get stripped away like for mm-hmm. these you know because i think so many of us associate dracula with like the yeah the universal uh like suave uh seductor type uh character right. but he is like just a weird little goblin in there you know <laughs> and, like, yeah, and i also found it really sweet how how funny the readers thought it was like watching Dracula pretend to be a normal person you know yeah. for Jonathan. like that was <laughs> like him cleaning up in the background and making meals and like pretending he knows what it means to be a human like it was just like a really like I don't know it was just like really fun to see all these different perspectives on characters that you think you know really
1: well mm-hmm. yeah the, the Dracula runs around in the background doing all the cooking and cleaning for Jonathan thing it's a small little you know bit in the book it you know the little clues to it are you know half a page or less, uh, but the the way that people latched onto it is beautiful. But also it was it was you know those things came up on days when there just wasn't a lot of content. There was a lot of energy around it, but you were only getting you know uh, a third of a chapter or a few paragraphs or something in your email those days. So it made this opportunity for people to really close read um, and find all these really kind of like beautiful nuggets or small ironies or just surprising things and then kind of really lean into them. uh, That's, yeah, I was, I was delighted by it.
0: That's a really good point. Like it is like kind of a nice tonic, I guess, to the, um, to the binge model, you know, of consuming Mm -hmm. media. And Mm -hmm. I will too of like, you know um, so much of what we like watch these days or like consume, we're kind of like consuming while we do something else. Like, you know, that whole like second screen theory, And so, being forced to really slow down and consume a story like more slowly, I think is a really good sort of even mindful practice, you know, to get a little uh uh <laughs> you know cheesy about it <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. um, was there anything that like the younger readers picked up on that like completely changed your perspective on this story, or like was there anything in the reaction that really surprised you
1: um you know, so I uh, I read a lot of Victorian literature, and I kind of go through it pretty fast. Um, like all, so a thing that jumped at me right away that I just had never really kind of clocked to was just all the queer coding that's in the book, and then people sort of like leaned into it hard in in sort of you know imaginative ways and art and fandom and just kind of sort of their like headcanon about what's happening to these characters. Uh, it was really, uh, really like delightful and fun to see. Yeah.
0: It was kind of fun to see, like, um, yeah, Dracula and Jonathan get the, like, um, what are the characters I'm thinking of? Like, the Our Flag Means Death treatment, you know, like <laughs> <You're
1: right. Yeah. laughs>
0: show these like, little, like, odd little domestic moments, you know. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. like, it was, uh, yeah, like, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And I, I think uh, I enjoyed how much, like, they brought out. The humor that like is already inherent in the text you know like because mm-hmm. it wasn't just their responses that were funny or how they viewed it but like they really pointed out that there is like a lot of humor in the story like I think like right. Lucy's three suitors you know and and like mm-hmm. the cowboy character like I think we give gothic literature like a very serious reputation sometimes but like, right. there like there's humor and um like goofiness already there a little bit
1: <laughs> yeah oh there's a point near the end where Dracula is kind of on the run and the, the crew is like doing a little sleuthing, trying to figure out, you know, where he went. And they interview like a dock worker who is like, yeah, there was a guy who like had a straw hat on, which uh, suited neither him nor the time. And someone was like, Dracula has been wearing like a big straw hat and no one told us like, this is, you know, comedy gold here, but <laughs> I loved it.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and also just like to see, um, you know, readers, comment on the parts that like haven't aged particularly well you know sort of like reinterpreting it in our contemporary context like it really surprised me I guess like you know obviously there are parts that like have not aged so well to modern readers and that strike us as like outdated or antiquated now but like that really I think highlights like how much of it still does feel really relevant Mm -hmm. you know like it Mm -hmm. feels very modern in its storytelling and um like, concerned with sort of, like, taboo, uh, like, transgressive topics, you know, so I think it's interesting to see, like, the the ways in which it is a relic of its time, and also the way that, like, why it continues to speak to people still, if that makes sense.
1: I totally agree, yeah.
0: Mm. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your other projects, because um, if I'm going <laughs> to understand correctly, this came out of uh, Studio Kirkland, and you've done a lot of other really cool stuff. Could you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, uh, Studio Kirkland is kind of our house brand for family-run side projects. Um, So my real job, I have a software development firm. I'm a co-founder there. We make all kinds of, like, cool custom software for our clients. Uh, But at night and on the weekends, I just like to make stupid things for the Internet. Um, And a lot of them kind of come from... uh, responses were really like, I just discover something. I was an art major, so I don't have any kind of scholarly background. I don't know about literature. I don't know about history. I'm kind of like learning things. Um, So like one project, I got very into trying to find like, what's the oldest thing that I can read that still feels like a human really wrote it, you know? Um, And so I I got a book of uh, translated cuneiform tablets And it turns out cuneiform tablets are very boring. Uh, They're, you know, receipts or short little letters or something. They're very ephemeral. They're not, it's not literature that, you know, was meant to be preserved. Uh, And I had the idea like, man, this is like someone's tweets just accidentally got archived for like 3,000 years. Uh, And then I thought it would be funny if you had a service where you could send them a dumb tweet and they would put it on a cuneiform tablet and send it to you in the mail. So I started that. So I have a thing called dumb cuneiform where you send me a tweet and I will write it in cuneiform and send it to you in the mail. Um,
0: I love that so much. I love like the, um, I I think just personally, I'm a huge fan of like the, the kind of mashup of the like highbrow and the lowbrow, you know, <laughs> <Like the laughs> sure. extremely sophisticated yeah. and the extremely silly. And I think that is such a good use of cuneiform. And it does speak to, you know, how it was used in history because yeah, like most of the writing that exists in history is that sort of you know, ephemeral day-to-day stuff. (laughs) Right. And could you talk about the penny press too? Because when I saw the website, like I, I was obsessed with penny presses when I was a little kid. And so when I saw that, it just like sparked joy.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, yeah. So this is something that my, uh, my wife and I have been planning for a long time and finally like are executing, um, launched it this summer. Um, so a penny press, you know, this is this like a uh, machine you see in tourist traps where you put in, you know, two quarters and a penny, and you turn a handle, and then it smashes the penny and engraves uh, some design of the tourist trap that you're at. Um, so, we started uh, a little project called Local Crush. You can see that localcrush.club. Crush um, Club where we we bought a penny press, we made designs that are themed for local small business darlings in our town here of Lawrence, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every month we move the press to a different location. So right now it's at a soda shop with this cool shop where they just have like a thousand different kinds of like bottled sodas. Um, each store chooses a local nonprofit charity. Um, and so all the quarters you put in the machine go to that uh, charity. But then it's just a a celebration of these little downtown favorite places that we love, um, where just for a limited time, you can go get a souvenir or a press penny uh, for that one place. And it moves every month. So on, uh, on Thursday night, we have an appointment to go uh, uh, pick it up and then move it down the block to uh, the next spot.
0: So cool. I really love those things that sort of like celebrate like what makes a particular place unique, you know, and sort of like... Um, mm-hmm bringing art i guess to like the civic uh space it's really cool um yeah for for joining
1: us like do you think you'll
0: ever do anything like dracula daily again or do you like do you have plans for other books
1: i don't think i don't think i will serialize another book um there's been tons and tons of other uh serialized classic literature or, or public domain work that's popped up um uh, I don't want to say copycat but you know kind of in the in the mode of Dracula Daily which I love like basically if there is like a classic book that you've always wanted to read probably someone's running a substack where they'll like send it to you in real time um so I f- I feel like that is like the ground is covered in a very nice way there um I definitely have ideas for other uh book related projects I've done other book publishing stuff before um but pro- probably nothing like this uh all, all my silly side projects i it's it's my excuse to really kind of skip around
0: so, yeah. mm. nice well thank you so much for joining us it's been really exciting to talk about this project and you know i really hope our our listeners pick up Dracula Daily and, and see what the you know, finished book brings mm-hmm. to the, the projects. I think it's a really like rich, joyful experience. So thank you.
1: <laughs> well, total pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much. Yeah.
0: Very welcome. Listeners, please pick up Dracula Daily. By the time that you hear this, it will be out in the world. So please go to your favorite independent bookstore or library, wherever you like to go to get your books. Thanks so much for joining us. It is now time to close this chapter.
1: It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for
0: the next episode.